Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 92 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on July 13th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who has been said to have the voice of the flower and is really, really good at breaking technology, Justin Sane 0516. Justin, how have the drops been for you this week? The revolution will not be televised and the flower shall not be silenced. Um, I'm doing great. I haven't got to play much of anything, uh, but I got my preload on when I got home from work. So that was good. Nice. Nice. (laughs) All right. Mel is Mel is out due to work and you know, that cosplay stuff that she does. So be sure to let her know that we miss her over on Twitter at the wind of the stars and from the depths of the madness inducing my naps we are joined by our favorite gunter the one and only green eyed music lover green hope you're uh, doing well how's your week been going good i i kind of had the the whole thing of trying to get everything down data that was a mess and a half but like like justin got that figured out and now i have two wild animals in the background Decided that right now is a great time to start playing. But it's been good. It's been okay, good. Okay, we've been good for for a while, but mom just uh-huh. started the podcast. Attack. Uh-huh. It's it's time to play. It's time to play. There they go. There they go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, let's run through right, <laughs> through the intro real fast and then we'll jump right into the conversation. The topic of today's chat is going to be a look at the updated lore of the Cabal Empire. I asked Green to put together a high-level summary of the topic, and this is what she had to say. The Cabal. This is a warrior people, and they lay out their fortifications along ancient principles and time-tested strategies. Although, a ghost couldn't figure out the sense that lies behind it. There lies a vast empire behind these creatures, many star systems away. Some pledge allegiance to that far empire, obeying their ancient marching orders. Some do not. They disagree among themselves about the answer, but oh, to mutiny. To be like Valistra Og, who took his broken legion against the reef, and failed. Failed utterly. But to them, duty is victory. Mutiny is worse than death, even if death seems certain. This is what we know as Gaul approaches us as we unknowingly become complacent. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the city festivals. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out the new www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internet, and a growing collection of community articles. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing as well as helping us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. 
This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny-focused podcast, Paragon Radio. Our next chat will be a closer look at the lore of the Blade Dancers. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the information and thoughts that the community had about the Cabal Empire. Lorebot, let's go. Query. Grimoire. Database. Results found. Displaying on screen. Thank you, Randy. Okay. We ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my bad. I thought I was muted because no one said anything. Um, so, uh, so what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about the Cabal Champions. Um, executor, I want to note again how strongly I feel that the tenants do not cover this kind of field work. The real battle is back home in the heart of the city, in the people of the tower. In any case, as you've requested, I've made a detailed study of the Cabal command structure aboard the Dreadnought. Detailed notes are enclosed, but suffice it to say their normally robust military engine has found itself hopelessly mired aboard Oryx's fortress. Our assaults on Cabal leadership in system have had devastating impact. The Skyburner's Primus is his Bond brothers, Valus Tarek, Valus Traog, Primus Shaul, and a smattering of lesser vowels and brackuses, all dead or on the run, thanks to us. In short, I believe your supposition is correct. The Empire will have no choice but to respond. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I actually, so really, to be honest, our, our grimoire card reading this week is actually going to be kind of light because we did, I, I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we did pretty good on uh, the last Cabal episode and covering a lot of the base and information. You know this. Hmm? And you know this. Oh, okay, he muted himself. Um, so, <laughs> but that episode is episode, I believe it was 22. Um, and then also mm-hmm. in the episode 64, we discussed the um, Cabal weaponry just a bit. So the Cabal cards that we're actually going to read to this week or tonight, I guess, is the Champions card that Justin just read. And then actually the Scion card, um, simply because there's a there's a little bit of a debate on the Scions in general, and it still is a debate. Um, everything else, though, I think we're going to actually kind of just do a kind of an open debate or open conversation about some of the things that we're seeing, uh, especially going into destiny 2 you know that's going to be a highlight of this entire conversation i believe there's there's a couple named figures that we've learned of that i know a lot of people have questions about um but yeah so like basically exactly you know justin do you do you have anything on this card that you want to say or do you green do you guys have anything 
Well, this one, it's talking to Executor Hideo. So it's mm-hmm. about New Monarchy as far as field work with that and the but relating back to the cabal themselves, it's just doing kind of reconnaissance work, figuring out what their command structure is and better effect, but new monarchy. Cause you know, command structures, organization. Well, and also it just, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Just, I don't know. I was going to say, it just sets the table for, or what we're about to experience because it's it's literally just saying yeah you you just you've spanked all these all these lesser space turtles and now king cooper's coming <laughs> king cooper mm-hmm. <laughs> he kind of looks like him but why justin why justin take long did it <laughs> it's like king cooper smashed up with uh what darth, Lord darth revan no yeah. darth revan He's totally yeah. got the revenue. 64 mask. Josh put me up to that. I'm going to come clean. Gonna <laughs> and King. tweets out to Josh King Koopa. King Koopa and the Starfish of Doom. <laughs> What's but, interesting about this one, though, is it talks about the fact that since we have de- kind of devastated what faction has been out here that it makes sense that the cabal would send something else or another grouping of it. I mean, they're, they're the Bond brothers, the different primuses that were taken. It, they kind of got devastated out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, got, mm-hmm. they got pooped on. They did. I swear it's going to be awesome if when you finally get to gear. And muted. <laughs> Get to who? Can't say his name, can you? No, I was just going to say it's going to be amazing if you finally get to Gary in Destiny 2 and all you have to do is jump over him and touch an axe so that the bridge will go away <laughs> and you will fall in the lava. <laughs> and I just want when you pop your super for it to go only a big hammer. Big hammer, yeah. Wow, time. This took quite a Nintendo turn. Oh um, my gosh! <laughs> it's the N sixty four episode. Yeah, either that or you have to jump on him three times, jump on his head three times. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Guardian. The princess is in the or the speaker is in another tower. It's all oh, oh, don't even. Well, that's easy. I don't need him at all. <laughs> Um, so the other, the other reason I really liked this card is, and in green, I think you mentioned this, it, it kind of sets up the, um, the hierarchy really of the cabal. And we kind of knew this going in from, you know, well, kind of from before, like pretty much we've, we got most of the information from the cabal we've had for a while. We don't really have the new pieces of information that we have really came from out of grimoire contacts, um, like, you know, the destiny two stuff. And then a few of the taken cards actually did kind of expand on the primus, especially the primus and the, the bond brothers. Uh, we have, I had a question or I think earlier we were talking about, um, some people were trying to make the argument that the bond, the bond brothers are, 
I can't remember. It was something like they were trying to say that the Bond brothers were Primus's sons or something. Like, no, these are literally brothers in arms, right? Yeah, they weren't even brothers to I each don't, other. I, well, I was about to say, in, in were, were the they sense, right? Were they no. were they even brothers? Like, were they even siblings mm-hmm. themselves? Because they were, because they were kind of like this informal triumvirate, which is a, an interesting thing. But we'll, well touch, we'll touch, we'll touch on that in just a second. A, it's a military mm-hmm. bonding. It's right, not right, a right, physical. Right. Yeah, well, and that, and that's that's what I, I mean. That was kind of was my response. Was I was like, no, I'm pretty sure, like the way, like just the Primus, um, who is a to is a to Arn. Or to um, there's I can't a remember. couple of them. Yeah, but like, Arn. but the, Arn is the one that's taken. Is yeah, that that's the Skyburners. Thinking of okay, who wore uh, Thagomizers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, so when he speaks of them, we know for certain that they are not siblings at all. I'm almost certain that the other two, the uh, what is it, Maul and um, Tulum, to and. Uh, can't remember who's the who's the artillery one off the top of my head i can't remember maul is the, artillery the one? yeah there's the one that has the the mortar launcher and then the other one that has the punchy punchy mm-hmm. fist which one which to one learn, to learn. Brothers it is to learn yeah so maul is the punchy one and then to learn is the i have a mortar on my back um they're also i don't think brothers i think they're all i mean and, and i'm just saying this there is nowhere in the grimoire where this is actually said either way but the way that it's described and the way that they talk to each other and the way that it's kind of just portrayed there is no sibling there that is just a literally i mean think about these 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 creatures were in the trenches together and they formed a brotherhood they are family through the strife and the chaos that they've survived together um but the other thing that this also did was this actually presents the kind of the hierarchy too. We also see that you have some lesser vowels and bracuses, um, which is separated from the vallus and the primus. So the hierarchy that we kind of have here is um and and actually we we now know who's at the top, which is the dominus, which if you follow the name the naming meanings here kind of makes sense. Um, so you have the dominus at the very top. Then you have kind of below them is the primus. And then you have the vallus below that. And then below that, you kind of have this equal, equal ranking. It seems between a vowel and a bracus. Um, and so this is where you get those, those cabal champions that those named cabals, the, the yellow bars, basically, they are actually those are actually titles those are not first names those are actual titles um and so that's where you get it and then also you see with some of the ones uh let's see the the broken legion has titles but you'll notice on their cards that they're actually called out as not being recognized because they were mutinied um or they mutinied against the empire which is a big deal um, with the cabal and we'll again we have a we actually have a question that was really really good on that exact topic um i don't i think that was kind of the reason i i like this card uh, i don't i don't really have and then obviously the you're right it leaves the door open for the entirety of destiny 2 because we killed everyone 
they mm-hmm. they kind of need to send reinforcements. The fortification is empty, which is not well, a bouncy. I mean, it's not a bouncy castle, Libby. No, it's not. It's a fort. You don't hold down the fort. You hold the fort, Libby. Shaking my hmm. fist at you. He's um, not even in chat. Right I know. Now. I know he's, he's not in chat. But I, I, I promised him that I'd shake my fist at him on cool. the podcast. Mm-hmm. I've held down an <laughs> I, I've held down a dance floor, and I've held up what? a wall. No. <laughs> <sighs> but yes, I feel what okay. You're as I know we went over it during the Cabal episode, but the the actual titles are not – we always talk about how the Cabal are types Roman-esque, but yes. the titling is not Roman per uh, se. It's pretty close. Not all of them. It's, Val is not one of them, though. Uh, Val There's- is – uh where did my notes go hang on uh val i don't i can't remember val primus is um and dominus is definitely right there's there's different variations on it because you have adel augustus caesar censor uh centurio primus comas comas demis demis console Mm -hmm. and then it just keeps going on and on and on what was that what was that one Wait, wait, back Console. up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, continue. We're going to get into it. Speaking of getting on and moving on a little bit, do you want to jump into the Scion talk? Yes, and actually the Scion card actually presents something very interesting, and I, I know a lot of people have picked up on this. Um, and again, think Romans, and then, yes. Green, do you want to grab the Scion card? Mm-hmm. There is no higher warfare than deception. Scions are smaller than all other cabal morphs and may be an unrelated species. Hyperintelligent, fast, and unpredictable, they possess strong psionic capabilities, including the ability to emit disorienting and deadly psychokinetic arc blast. So, first off, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. The possibilities that that opens up is really cool um, because we also know that and there was there was this really weird connection between the cabal and the hive. Actually, uh, there are there is and I don't I can't remember if they removed this this patrol mission, but in vanilla, there was a patrol mission in which you had to get a, a specific type of slug from Scions. And then mm-hmm. there was another patrol mission on the moon where you had to get the same type of slugs from acolytes. Um, and it was just kind of those, it was like, wait, hang on. What? Like there was, there was mm-hmm. this real, yeah, really weird little connection there. And it never, never was even really acknowledged in the lore. It's just these two patrols. So it could have been a game mechanics thing, but it, and I don't, I don't, I can't remember if it's still in the game or not, but it was, it was kind of an interesting thing. But then there's also the debate of are scions and the, um, the turtle things. I don't know really the space rhinos. Um, are they even the same species? I mean, what do you, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, if they are the same species, one would, I mean, they're saying that they're a smaller version of it. And we have examples of 
smaller people versus bigger people. So it would not be too much of a stretch to say that people on steroids versus people who devoted their entire lives to being incredibly intelligent and developing their mind would be two different, very looking, almost species in and of themselves. Because the psionic form is similar in build to the big cabal, like Mm -hmm. the legionnaire type. Uh, It's just not. It's a a little more humanoid than the cabal have ever been. And the the cabal just have a bunch of armor, though. Do uh, we really know what they look like underneath? Yeah. I mean, you can kind of make out their form like it's not that much armor. If you if you look at their bodies, when you shoot them out of the air, the way they fall, the way the the way the physics of them work, you can tell there's a lot of girth underneath all that armor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they look like a lot more like a, you know, like a padded foot type, you know, type organism. The, the scion. Sorry. Sorry. sorry no worries. Sorry. The, the scion looks a lot more humanoid in nature. It, it looks like a, a creature that could have, um, you know, uh, opposable thumbs and, and, and is, is very similar to man. But one thing that really makes me think that the scion is actually an assimilated species into the cabal structure is if you read the taken scion card from the taken King, we're talking about that in the chat right now as well. Mm-hmm. If, yeah, if, if you read it, I mean, right in the first sentence, it says you are, you are a scion, clever, canny specialist bolted into the cabal hierarchy. Um, which to me kind of reads like, yeah, you're, you're just kind of jammed in there. Right. So, okay. Um, so I actually have a response to that. Um, because yes, you're right. You can read you. So there are two ways you can read that. Actually, you can read it the way I think you're reading it, which is, this is an outside species that's been jammed into the, the cabal ranks. Right. But you Mm -hmm. can also read it as, okay, if, it's not un, it's not unheard of even in destiny let's let's take all other games and put them to the side because there's plenty of examples of this happening in other games you know the forerunners basically did the same thing but even within destiny right we have species who follow different metamorphosis paths the krill the hive they choose do you take the mother morph which makes you a wizard do you take the warrior morph which makes you a knight or in the case of oryx did you take the king morph which made you a a leader and that is a choice that they make and we remember from the books of sorrow that you can actually it you can actually actively choose which morph to take um i think it's the is it the mother jelly that you have to eat to become a wizard uh, that uh, Savathun takes. Yes. Um, yep. And so that's that's actually an an external catalyst that actually encourages a metamorphosis within the individual. And so these are three of the same species, but they are vastly different appearances, vastly different abilities, and you could argue they are kind of di- they they have different specialties. The scion could be the exact same. The fact that they re- they recognize that as a smaller cabal morph makes me really think that it is actually the same thing as a cabal legionnaire. This is just my personal opinion, but you can also say that it's not saying bolted into the cabal society. It's saying bolted into the cabal hierarchy, 
which has always been something that irked me. When I was doing a lot of look at the hierarchy from a military standpoint of the cabal, the scions don't fit into any or any part. Like technically, they're like an un an unnamed scion would technically be maybe around the side around the the same level of a phalanx which is kind of above a legionnaire who's always kind of been consumed or always kind of portrayed as a um, a foot soldier or a shock troop, or maybe even a Colossus, which kind of is right below the, the uh, Centurions. So like the Scions don't really have a place within the hierarchy. They are literally bolted into the hierarchy. Uh, we know from the Ice Reavers and the Scion Flayers that they are actually specialists that are assigned out to different detachments. Um, the Ice Reavers, for example, are actual special, uh, basically special security forces for the Cabal detachment that they've been assigned to, which is why they are in the, the Dust Palace. And so with that being said, they're kind of, uh, you know, the Delta Force of the Cabal military they don't really fall within anything so that question there is is that talking about bolted into the military hierarchy or bolted into the actual cabal society yeah into the cast right and and you're like but again you can read that either way i think green the problem is is that the card itself is ambiguous which fits just destiny in general because it says scions are smaller than all other cabal Yes, it's the same. It's considered we lump them all together as different morphs, but it also says, and they may be an unrelated species. So it, I would say looking at all the cards and everything that we have, it's very likely that they're a completely different species that's been assimilated, but it does leave it open to where they could literally said a different phenotype. morph of the cabal type, the phenotype. Yeah. And I mean, and the, and the other thing is, is like you, you have to, I mean, I, I think the other argument that I would make here is that the cabal are, you know, I don't think anyone's going to argue the cabal are a militaristic race. They're all about might. Well, that's not necessary. And the thing is, is that's not necessarily always going to be physical might. Again, pointing to the scion flares, they can move planets with their brains. That that's that is pretty powerful. And I think that is a, a nod that the cabal don't necessarily just respect physical might. They actually do have a value that they place on intellect as well. Um, and we know that they are very good at, at assimilating things. If you look at anywhere on Mars, which is where they're mostly based, most of the tech that they're actually using is actually our tech from the golden age. Mm-hmm. Um, that they have assimilated into their network. And I mean, geez, just go go read about the Cabal Shield. The Cabal Shield is connected to a smart network that spans the entire, you know, legion where it allows their officers to know exactly what's going on in the entire field instantly so that they can they can respond at a quicker pace. I mean, so they are not a I know the Cabal get kind of pigeonholed into this like Oh, they're just the simple space rhinos. They're not. Like if you look at their if you look at the tech a little bit closer, it's very sophisticated tech. And then you take a then you take a step back and you also look at the scions. The other thing to remember about the scions is the cabal don't really believe in any of the light dark thing like that we know of. They they're not really I mean like we kind of get the sense now that they're they are they are aware of it because in Destiny 2 the whole thing with Gaul and the traveler and all that 
like they're they're definitely aware of it. We know that now. But like when we first interacted with the Cabal, they could care less. They had they had guns with mini rockets in it, you know. And Justin, I know you had you have something. Yeah, yeah. Not to beat a dead horse. Um, okay, so the Cabal just just exclude the Scions real quick, right? Um, every every Cabal we've ever encountered. Um, with the exception of taking Cabal, have solely exhibited causal weapons. They've they've shot projectile based weapons at us and they hurt, but it's it's all been very you know pedestrian stuff as far as mm-hmm. I mean the the technology is very is very advanced. Right. right. Um their their real strength doesn't lie in their tech or in their weapons. It actually lies in their organization. And yes. their determination to to achieve a, a you know a set goal, but um, they're relentless. But the the scion really doesn't fit that mold. They are weapons in and of themselves, much like a guardian is. They have psionic abilities that we don't fully understand. Um, you know, I do believe that all of their blasts are arc. Is that correct? Uh, Depends if they are because the, the you have I the solar the, and the blade yeah. ones too. I was about to okay, say the so ice the ice reapers have different different elements, or not the ice reapers. Sorry, the flares. The flares. The ice reapers are the the detachment. Yeah, the yeah. Flares the the flares. So each different mm-hmm. each different element of flare has a different. But right. um, the the rank and file scion that you encounter is story arc, missions. I think is an arc. Yeah. yeah okay. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's a line actually in the Taken Scion card that really the hot, the flavor of it plus the uh, the the statement about being bolted into the hierarchy just really makes me think they're an assimilated, um, enslaved species. Which is oh it yeah says, okay nothing nothing will enslave you ever again. Now they could still be the same species. They could you know it's it's. We enslave our own species all the time on this planet. <laughs> mm-hmm, right. Just because it says that doesn't mean it's not. It's just kind of the flavor of it leads me to believe. And no, that's, also, that's a good the, point. The disc- that's a really good point, actually, Justin. Yeah, the the discrepancies not only between body types, but also between um, uh, nature of their behavior and their tactics and kind of just everything leads me to believe that this. I mean, this is a an assimilated culture. I could be wrong. No, and, wrong. and I mean, again, given that they are based off Rome, like they they are obvious. I mean, I I would probably put a hundred percent that these guys are based off Rome. Like, I don't think anyone's going to. Oh yeah, there's no yeah um, there. Yeah, and so like no, it is nowhere. It's nowhere been like we base this off Rome. Um, the uh, but. Based off that, if you look at um, if you look at the way Rome created its own military, either and again, either case is possible because they inscripted their own people, and they also, when they would conquer a you know conquer a territory, they would put into service the people there as well, um, you know, and so it's both of them could be could be the case. And green, I know you pulled up the. Do you have the flare? Did you have something on the flares card you wanted to talk about? It's just the fact that they're talking about them as weapons rather than troops necessarily. 
I just thought that was interesting because the very first line of the Scion Flayers card is somewhere among their forces, the Cabal hide one of their most powerful weapons, the Scion Flayers. And the fact that they're treating their troops as just weapons in and of themselves, kind of war of attrition, you can get rid of them kind of thing, makes me feel it's that degradation of they're not necessarily people, they're in number type thing that a soldier right. tends to get into when you have lots and lots. Right, right, right. Definitely reinforces that. The other thing is, I don't know as far as the Roman, the classic Roman training, when the you're inscripted in the military, it happens at a young age. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. But do you get um, filed into different... Yes. Types of military training based off of your natural skills like we do today. No. Uh, well, no. I mean, you, you, so it, uh, it's kind of, so the thing about Roman military that you have to, you know, remember is that the Roman military for Romans, not, not necessarily for people who were not Romans who were in the Roman military, but for Romans, um, it was a political move. Um, everyone had to be, or well, in the early stages of Rome, everyone had to be in the military. It was, it was a big honor to be in the military. That was kind of how you became powerful in their society. Um, that over time decreased, which is actually arguably one of the reasons that Rome kind of went into the slope that it went into. Um, but because they started hiring out their army instead of supplying their own army. And so when that hired army decided hey we don't want to be your army anymore they didn't really yeah that was that was that was a well blankety blank (laughs) we don't have anybody that our outlay exceeds our resources (laughs) yeah um but yeah so like at first what it would be is like say you know it would it would be dependent there were multiple aspects of determination on where you would go within the military, right? Um, first off, if you weren't a citizen and you joined the army and you served X amount of years and you survived, you could become a citizen. So you prove that your loyalty was to Rome. You became a, a citizen of Rome. And that mm-hmm. allows you to you know, become fully invested in this society. Um, if you were already a citizen and you joined the Roman army and you were not a member of the higher echelons, then you would probably be put into, you know, the rank and file, like the, just the, a, a regular squad. Um, you also probably wouldn't have the money to pay for, cause you had to pay for your own supplies as well. You had to bring your own armor, bring your own weapons. That was all on the individual to supply themselves. So that's why you're, your equus, your your mounted forces were usually higher. No, that, that was where that kind of tradition from the nobility being knights. That's kind of where it, it had already kind of been there, but that was kind of where it got solidified within the Western culture, especially was because they were the only ones who could afford horses and the armor to go with it. And since the Romans weren't paying for their own, it wasn't really until. Uh, I know Caesar provided horses for some of his forces, but that was because it was a trade with uh, it, it was a it was a political situation in which he he took horses from an ally, gave it to another ally to get both allies to side with him against another um, another enemy of his. Um, and that was like 
but that was very rare. It wasn't, you didn't usually get equipment given to you. You either found it or you bought it. So mm-hmm. your, your, um, and it, it was also a way to elevate your family, which is another thing you have to remember about Romans. Romans were all about family prestige, right? That was, that was the, the thing was how far can you push your family up the chain? Like the, how far can you progress? Because as far as you progress, that's where your children would start and then they could push it further. And, you know, uh, a very, a very good thing to see in a Roman thing or a Roman family was a lot of Romans would have uh, a, a room in the house dedicated to their ancestors. And it was basically right. a room full of, of, uh, molds of their dead ancestors that had been pressed in wax and you know Caesar Caesar grew up in this and this is kind of the 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 argument that a lot of people make is Rome was a breeding ground for extremely competitive people it was iron sharpening iron all the time and that was the culture which you know when with the Roman Republic i mean even from the the first days of Rome with the etruscans and the 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 celtic you know invasions and all that that was always there they were always competing against each other as much as they were competing you know outside of rome um so when you apply that to a military thing that's when you start seeing a lot of this competition actually getting physical as well and that's where you kind of get the in green we were kind of talking about it a little bit but that's where especially in regards to the email here or one of the emails that we had that was the the important question on who is the army allied with is it allied with the city state or is it allied with the throne or is it allied with a i don't know a particular general who says that enough is enough and he's going to take down the republic which he did. Right. Well, <clears throat> a two brute. Um, uh, yes. Anyway, calm down. Shakespeare. Getting in. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love Shakespeare. No, I know that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving from the hierarchy of the society of Roman society, let's try to move back into the cabal society, then amongst themselves and talk about ghost fragment cabal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. Um. So, and I'll I'll take I'll take this one, and then I I'll take actually both of these because I'm not going to actually read the full card. There is a there's just a segment of the card that is kind of important in regards to the Cabal Empire, and that is pretty much the ending. It says there is a vast empire behind these creatures, many star systems away. Some pledge allegiance to that far empire, obeying their ancient marching orders. Some do not. They disagree among themselves about the um, about the answers. I wish arguing cabal on no one. They slam their plated bodies into each other with horrendous roars. Intelligence gathering has never been so painful. Mm. Poor ghost. So, yeah, and that it's just, again, this is Ghost Fragment Cabal. This is one of the cards that we had, you know, way back at the beginning. So we kind of had the, the seeds of this entire situation in the bungee fashion had been planted. Um... And then that brings us to Ghost Fragment. Oh, no, go for it. Did you have something? Mm-hmm. Did you have something? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I heard, thought I heard someone. Um, that brings me to Ghost Fragment Cabal 2, where there is another segment that says, and, you know, Green, you kind of had this in your summary a little bit, says, there is meaning to the structure and layout of their buildings. 
This is a warrior people, and they lay out their fortifications along ancient principles and time-tested strategies. I can't figure out the sense of what lies behind it. I would need ten times the computing power for inference calculations, but I know it's there. I can intuit. It's like an open hand ready to squeeze into a fist, a threat, a gesture of power. For all their might and strength, for all that they have dug into Mars and flung up battle walls with the bureaucratic grimness of conquerors, I I suspect that they are fleeing from something. That within their hard shells and thousand-folded shields is a sharp seed of terror. But of what? Does something follow them? Should we fear it too? Which... This was... I, I thought this was the most interesting card. Right. Because that, that is... That going after. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the reason why I find this very interesting... So there's... There's a couple options that Bungie has. And I mean, honestly, we're going to have to wait until we get the full story of Destiny 2 and, you know, the Red Legion. But the first question that comes to mind when I read this card is, do these detachments necessarily ally themselves with the Red Legion? Or are they... Like, who okay. who do they ally with? Because if something... And, and again, Bungie could kind of just kind of, you know soft retcon this out but i mean the fact of if something's following them well the only thing that's they're gall is chasing something he's not running from something right you don't know that well okay no i kind of do i mean he Uh, no i mean he is in fact chasing something but you don't know if he's not acting proactively in in light of events that are on the other side of him true true okay i see what you're saying so the, one of the things about the cabal is they've got to strike us on our fronts as being kind of splintered, not that big a threat. They're not, it's not, it hasn't been that big a concerted effort up until this point. And I think you can attribute to that, that to the vastness of the space between them and their home, because the farther a fighting force gets from what they're fighting for, it's hard for them to keep those ideals in place and at some point along the line, you start fighting for each other as opposed to fighting for the empire or, you know, some sort of autocrat or any, any, any kind of abstract thing at home. That's the only thing that's real for you is in front of your face that that's evidenced in the Bond brothers. You know, they'd follow the Primus wherever. Right. I don't know. Well, and I mean, yeah. I don't know. The thing that drives me crazy about this card is the fact that, granted, it's our ghost. Our ghost has trouble opening doors half the time. Well, a ghost. But a ghost. Mine doesn't. <laughs> Yours is special. But <laughs> the idea that the ghost can't comprehend... The ghost has an amazing amount of comp- um, computational power behind it. It knows it can open things, obviously, as far as us experiencing anything in game. But it actually has a lot of storage type powers where they can relate and reference things very quickly. The fact that it cannot decipher the societal structure makes me wonder if it's yes, if it's Roman, Roman esque. Roman society is actually pretty easily structured. It's not, it's, it's difficult to understand, but only in so much that it's political, 
that everybody's always shifting. Not necessarily that the structure itself is hard to follow. What so, do you think, Blue? I I actually <laughs> um I actually disagree. Uh because the thing is so the way I read that particular thing um and we kind of we kind of talked about this i think last night after after the show when we're no no maybe it was last week when we're talking about science fiction um books um if anyone's ever read battlefield earth this is kind of in green justin i'm assuming you probably know where i'm going with this um battlefield earth is a very very interesting presentation of two societies clashing with each other completely you know absolutely but one of the societies is the human society, right? We're, we know, we, we get the why we do things. We understand the psychological drives of different stuff. That makes sense to us. But the cyclos, the other, the other side of the coin that is actually in this battle in Battlefield Earth, their entire structure, their entire society is, is, is just alien. Like in, I mean, in all sense of the words, it is alien to us down to the degree that their entire math system is based on a different base number because they have 12 digits instead of 10 digits. And so their entire society is based around a, a mathematical presentation of a base 12 instead of a base 10. And that was, that's like a huge thing. And it took one of the, I mean, it took the characters in the book a long time to come to terms with the fact that they were trying to understand things. They had to translate something that was inherently alien to them into their into a common theme within themselves so that they could even understand how to respond. And then they were also needing to translate what they were trying to say back, you know, like there, it was this massive amount of translation. And that and my point to bringing that up is that was when they actually knew the entire structure of the society. When the mm-hmm. ghost is experiencing the cabal on Mars this is a this is a pinprick of the society, right? This is the military. Military, I mean, for Rome, it's yes, a the military. Fraction of the military. Right. 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 I mean, yeah, it's even more than that. Yeah, you're right. It's a scouting fragment Advanced. of the military. Um, forces. So to to understand the structure and layout and the fortification, you know, principles. When I say that the cabal are based off Rome. Um, Rome had a very, very structured and I mean, it actually bit them in the, the butt a number of times because they were so structured in what they were doing. If you, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, if you look at the evolution of the phalanx, the, the, you know, the, the penumbra of the military structure in the Roman forces, uh, they got themselves destroyed because of the phalanx, uh, because they were so stuck in that that particular formation that they went into a war that was in an environment that the structure did not work. They walked into, I think it was, I'm trying to remember which war it was, and I can't remember off the top of my head. I have it in my notes. It was but, in Europe? Yeah, it was... Um, uh, it was, oh yeah. So th- it, this, <clears throat> this is the maniple. This is actually the evolution into the maniple. So the phalanx, um, was a very, very powerful military. And I'm, I, I do have a reason I'm going into this. Um, the phalanx was a very powerful military structure within the Roman military f- up until about 315 BC. What happened in 315 BC was they walked into the second Samnite war. 
and they got absolutely destroyed. They lost an entire legion of soldiers without any issues on the, the other side. So what they did, what, and the reason was, is that the phalanx, um, the phalanx is a very is a very rigid formation. It's a block, but it's very rigid. There's no there's no way for a man to move within that without the entire block moving with them in step. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was they walked into a basically an area of really heavy swamp like like area. They could not they couldn't walk straight. And the it's like um, the Revolutionary War with the Americans versus the British guerrilla tactics against regimented soldiers, not going to go well with the regimented soldiers. You know, that's that's just not going to go well. And so what they did was they actually in in and actually this is a, a nod to the Roman ingenuity. They adapted. It took a bit and they lost a lot of lives, but they adapted and they created a thing that was called the maniple. And basically what they did was they took their phalanx and they broke it in a way that it would be described as a phalanx with joints. So what would happen is when they were marching in formation, this was about 120 soldiers. It was three rows of 40 soldiers each. They would spread them out a little bit more. And this allowed them to react much more efficiently than the phalanx, which was much more um, compressed, could ever do. And the other thing was the the maniple also allowed them to structure it in a way that would allow for a a cushioning of of charges. So they would have Mm -hmm. the three rows of 40 men. The most the most inexperienced men would be in the front of the maniple. Uh, And then, you know, as you progressively get low or back further and further, you had the more experienced individuals. And the the theory there is that, uh, again, remember, Roman military, this is all about political prestige. Uh, so they would give the the newcomers the the chance to win the most prestige, also to give them the most experience. And then as they you know got new soldiers, they would they would rotate this entire thing. And so what would happen is like if that first row got overrun, they could they could fall back between the rows behind them in a way that would not would not break them. Whereas with the phalanx, they were so pressed in. Think, think of a shield wall. If one piece of the shield wall breaks, it's very rigid. If one piece breaks, it's Red Rover, right? Everything falls mm-hmm. apart. Whereas with the maniple, a piece could break and that entire row could, to, could just dissolve into behind, reform behind that row again, and then push. You know, So it was, it was more of a reactionary response or a, a, a more reactionary model of the phalanx. Um, that's all to be said. If you did not know the events that led to the maniple and then you walked into it, you'd be like, I don't know what's going on because you're only seeing a, a, a bit of the society. And you're right also that, you know, you're also only seeing a fragment of this fragment of the society. We don't know that the entire cabal are military. We don't know that they could have, you know, it could be a, um, I mean, I hate to keep bringing this up. It could be a forerunner structure where there are different factions within the cabal that, you know, some are bureaucratic, some are military, some of them are, I, I have no, like intellects or, you know, whatever. Uh, what's the, there was a covenant class of um, uh, enemy that we never actually saw in the game, but you said you actually, it pops up in. Fall of Reach or First Strike. I can't remember one or the other. 
but basically they're like I cannot remember what they called them. What did they do? What did they do? Uh, they were basically investigating Forerunner Tech, and they were kind of floating. The engineer, oh, Hergox, Hergagox. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah, basically, those things are amazing. My, well, my point was, my point was, I bet there are a bunch of different uh, morphs of Cabal that we haven't right, seen, right? That aren't necessarily what they would put out on the front lines. Exactly. The and thing, and my argument. Oh, sorry. Go go for it, Green. Okay, so the thing that drives me crazy though is that. I guess to me just makes me feel like our ghost is really, really dumb because I, I can see the that. fortifications, the fortification system that the cabal have. If you think, if you go on to Mars and you're, you go to that base that you have to break into some of their different bases, they have different areas where shields are layered to where mm-hmm. if one shield breaks, you can fall back just like in, what you were talking about with the Legion, how they have different ranks and mm-hmm. how they can fluctuate. If one piece of it breaks, not the whole thing breaks, but they can fall back into something else. It seems so intuitive. And it, it used to be an ancient principle that we golden age. Yes. A lot of golden age tech fell. A lot of history is gone, but it seems so simple. Right. It's, well, it's, I mean, granted, we have a giant single singular wall protecting us around the city, even though we have towers. We well, don't have even, multiple. Even sh- the even the city has multiple layers of defenses because they have the satellites and you know they have and soft the guns and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, but, so again, I would, I just I hesitate to to belittle the ghosts' misunderstanding because the other thing, again, remember with the cabal on Mars is that it's kind of a weird hodgepodge of the remnants of golden age material and then their own. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is that it's you like, don't see the cabal in any mass. We only fight them in like maybe three or four at a time. Even when um, there's like waves of them coming in, you don't, it doesn't feel like you're fighting an army ever. Yeah. It feels and like I, you're I, fighting I kinda, skirmishes. Right. I, I honestly, I blame game mechanics on that one. Um, mm-hmm. Just I and I don't mean to belittle the game mechanic. I I just I think that's entirely to make it manageable for the player, because it's I like think first. I think if you actually saw a a full response from I I don't I, th- I think that's just mechanics. I I really do. And mm-hmm. and then there's also the fact well, again that this is a scouting region, right? Or this is a scouting legion, so they well, might not that and they're not moving the in force at all. Right. Right. They're, we're, they're literally guarding different zones. and Right. And I mean, that, I that mean, brings us kind of to the different detachments too, right? I mean, because we have detachments in the in the Cabal ranks that are entirely dedicated to just protection. Uh, for example, the Blind, the blind Legion. Uh, their, their, entire, <clears throat> their entire functionality is literally just uh, capturing and protecting Vex technology. They are actually not going after people they will defend it but they they are usually not going to be just wandering around the ones that you usually find wandering around are like the um, the dust giants or the sand eaters um usually the sand eaters uh but the or actually no usually it's the dust giants sorry i, I got that backwards mm-hmm. um those are the ones that are like the dark green and yellow armor uh and those are actually i think those are shock troops so those are actually those their their job is basically to go out and you know front line um the dust giant or the uh 
the sand eaters are the frontline infantry. So those are the ones that are usually going to be, I think they have the white and green armor. And those are the ones that are going to be basically be like, if something happens, they're getting sent in first. And those are, mm-hmm. that's when you see them. Um, so, I mean, like even within, even within the field army, which is a also Roman concept, uh, even within the field army of the cabal that we have right now in destiny, there are, you know, there are detachments just just like any military structure has that are specialized in different things. Um, but yes, I'm it makes to- me wonder with talking about how Roman military and you actually got into this episode with the fact that in the Roman Empire, they in order for the emperor to keep everybody under control they would constantly send people out. Yes. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very common occurrence within a lot of the, well, actually in pretty much any society, especially societies that are based around, uh, conquest. Um, what happened, this is actually, it's, it's actually more easily seen within medieval Spain. Um, because the entire, there was an entire segment of their population that literally only knew how to fight. And Rome, like later Rome, this was actually, this was very true for later Rome, but Spain is something that a lot of people are very familiar with. And that's the conquistador. Um, the entire, the entire concept of a conquistador was to conquer. That was it. That was what they were supposed to do. And so what happened was when Spain finally hit a lull, um, they had a massive military force that was ready to conquer, but they didn't have anything to conquer. So they actually kind of had to go find things to get in fights about. And like this was basically to keep this their, their cohesion of a society together because you don't, you never want your, your military force, especially in medieval world, you never wanted your military force to a get complacent or B get bored because if military people get bored in the, in that, that realm or that era, they just cause problems. They would just start, you know, and they didn't have skill sets in which they could just come back. You know, they couldn't just come back home and, um, pick up a you know whatever they the way that they structured their lives was very very format formatted to specialize in that particular aspect which they spent a lot of their life doing which for a soldier you also have to take into account that soldiers at that time we don't have the transportation that we had today so it took a long Mm -hmm. time to get places so you could you could say that i mean that's a common a common soldiering tour for rome was like 10 to 20 or it was a five-year stint for officers but it could be up to 20 years for the the infantry and in that time they could I mean, and, you know, also depending on what era of Rome you're looking at, that could span, you know, 20 wars. Rome, Rome, Rome never had a moment where it wasn't at war with someone. And the problem and, and that was that was a good thing, but it was also a bad thing for Rome. Because what eventually happened was they got too large and they started to hire out their soldiers or the soldiering. And then what happened was as they found, oh, well, this is actually really, this is really easy. Um, they just kept hiring, 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 hiring. And then what happened was you started to get the complacency very close to the heart of Rome, which was actually in the Italy area in, in Rome. They became very complacent and the politicians there um, didn't 
didn't really do what the the older generations of politicians in Rome did, and so they lost the edge that 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 had made that had pushed Rome into the the competitive place that it was, um, and and ironically, it was the Gauls who actually <laughs> kind of slapped them across the face, um, but or well, one of the times there was also the Vandals and there was the Visigoths and there there's tons of people, but. Right. The thing, the thing with Rome and like the military, like what you're saying is in, in this kind of going back to the, the, or the especially the ghost thing, um, especially later in, in their cycle of development to, to say that every Roman army had the same patterns would be incorrect because a, a military unit in the West would have a different fortification pattern than a military unit in the east because the geography is so vastly different and and their mil and their enemies were different um but they kept expanding because if they didn't keep expanding then it was the 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 ultimate definition of if you're not growing you're dying that's what was going on with rome okay so but the thing that i was wanting to point out is if that is the case with the cabal as Mm -hmm. well is it possible that the mission for the cabal to come into our system themselves the original mission not gall not the upcoming mission was literally just one of these things just to push the empire out just to continue that kind of tradition of keeping the warring the military faction busy so they don't become complacent or don't cause trouble at home. Yeah. And actually, you know, uh, I, interestingly enough, there is, uh, Ishtar collective had a, I think it was the errata, uh, which is their blog. Um, captain Kex actually just had posted something a couple days ago about the cabal's reason and the cabal's reason for being in our solar system. And it, it, it his argument, excuse me, his argument was actually that it was all about resources. Um, if you dig through some of the grimoire cards, there's a lot of notifications from Primus, the Primus to on about mining operations. Uh, there's a lot of mining operations um, throughout the entire area of the cabal. Um, and so there's always there's always this like mining going on, and then like you and then he kind of he points out you know Mars is special because of relic iron, um, it's, it's it's described as an extraordinary post collapse material that responds to void forces, uh, and you can you can see foundries on Earth using material for armor and heavy weapon ammunition, heavy weapon ammunition maybe like slug rifles, um, you know the the relic iron just was a really, really important thing. You had anywhere from the, like I said, the military applications, uh, relic iron was the inspiration for ingrams. Um, there's, there's machinery that's built off the relic iron crystals, you know? And so there's this whole thing. I'll, I'll link the site. It's a really good article. Um, the thing, well, it's, I mean, it's not just a good article. It's literally what's going now but i right, 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 right. know that with the first that strike mission that justin got to go play over in california with the release that we'll get to play coming up Yay! it's <laughs> yeah 
it's this, it's, it's a mining operation. You see these giant mm-hmm. spindles of death mining down into the ground that the cabal are doing, but was that their original intent or did they just happen to push out here and find the resources? Because yes, it's a, it's a scouting troop. Like you said, did they know that automatically just scouting out, yeah. just expanding and then, Oh, this area so happens to be rich in this, this, this let's mine it for the empire which just really brings me back to battlefield earth by the way because that's mm-hmm. how they that's how they found earth was we sent the <laughs> we sent them a satellite with gold on it and gold is in that in that in uh that particular universe gold was like super was rare. that was that when the was that the john travolta movie yeah don't don't mention that movie that movie is <laughs> horrible. god that was like that was like one of the things when I was younger and I read, I had just read the book for the first time and I got so excited because they were coming out with the movie and it was the, it was the opening of my eyes to how badly books could be translated into movies because uh, it no. was like, well, no. oh, Dune, Dune, Dune had Dune. started. Yeah. Dune Starship had started. Troopers. Okay. But I wasn't, I hadn't, <laughs> I wasn't old enough to watch Starship Troopers at that time. Like it was because I think Starship Troopers came out before Battlefield Earth. Did it? I can't remember. I can't remember exactly, but I yeah, hadn't it watched did. it. Did. did it? Okay. Because it I hadn't watched Starship Troopers yet. And like that was like that. I had just seen Dune and I was like, oh, man, this is really terrible. And then I went and they they came out with Battlefield Earth and I was like, okay, one more shot, one more shot. And I walked out of that movie. and I was like, I'm, I don't trust anybody ever again with translating books into movies it's just yeah terrible but yes i hate and then peter so jackson much. came along and redeemed hollywood uh, uh, there's, there's uh, points that i really wish uh, uh, this messing with ukraine it's you like get, king kong was terrible. no no he i know lord of the he, rings was fine he made lord of the, lord rings, of the rings and then he stopped that he the made story <laughs> Okay. It's like he made Lord of the Rings. There's still things that should have been in there. Tom ah, but you can't do not. everything. You're just I mad that Tom Bombadil didn't make it in there. I am mad. He's but, the coolest okay, character just, in the entire just a side series. Note, just a side I note. Digress. Yeah, just a side note though, though Tolkien himself said that Tom would not ever be able to be like shown. Because it's by the so very na- cool. by the very oh, yeah. stupid as hell. Well, <laughs> No, but because his entire personality, yes. his entire character was undescribable. Like that mm-hmm. was that was the point of his character was. But anyways, anyways, cabal. Anyways, moving on. Cabal. Moving on. Back to the Roman military. Consul. No. Okay. No, you didn't me? say Roman military. You said cabal. Right. So you want you want to start with the uh, the political I situation. Start with consul. Yeah, because okay. politics is fun. Oh, we know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, okay. you want to go or you want me to go? Let me do a quick. I found a really nice condensed version of what consul stands for. Cool. So, in the Roman Empire, the Roman Republic by two consuls who were the joint heads of the Romans and commanders in chief of the army. They were elected only one. For one year and thereafter could not be reelected again for 10 years in order to prevent any form of tyranny. Uh-huh. The main role of the consuls was to prepare and propose new laws, though this required cooperation between the two consuls as either had the power to veto and pr- 
any proposal by the other. One of the two consuls was usually the emperor, and he could get reelected every year, of course. So you have two. It's kind of like House and Senate to an extent. Like the head of the House, head of the Senate to an extent. They can kind of veto. Yeah, kind of. Instead of. The other the other nuance with the consuls um, is so yes it was it was you, yeah pretty much uh, the other thing about the consuls is that they would actually trade off ultimate power every month right um, so they would be they would be each year two consuls were elected together to serve for the one year term uh, basically what would happen is during that year term the consuls alternated in holding what's called imperium each month and a consul's imperium extended over rome italy and all the provinces but after the establishment of the empire in 27 bc consuls actually became more of a symbol symbolic representatives of rome's republican heritage and actually held very little power so when they it's it's just i kind of laugh because the entire point of the consuls was to prevent what happened in 27 bc um, which was, hey, I'm done and I'm going to take Rome um, and I'm crossing mm-hmm. the Rubicon. Uh, anyone who's not aware of that, that was Caesar who basically he got he. See, so the entire process of Caesar was basically he was very, very popular with the people of the lower classes in Rome. He was always very popular with the lower classes of Rome. Um and what happened was he went out and he he served his military uh, his military tour and got very popular <laughs> up in Gaul. Um, and th- <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just it's too easy. Um, so so he uh, he he got very popular and he actually came back and he was actually elected consul. I can't remember who he was elected consul with, but he was elected consul. And then after the year, he was actually sent back out into the field because what happened was while he was consul, he just pissed off pretty much all the senators because he just didn't care like he never he did he just didn't care he didn't like he didn't like them they didn't like him he he was very just he was yeah he was caesar um and so in response as soon as he was no longer consul they kicked him back out into gaul for another five-year tour well at the end of that five-year tour they were like you know what you just stay out there you'll just stay out there that's fine well, he kind of was like, yeah, F that and came back. And that's when that that entire situation happened. Um, but, yeah, it was it was that, that was if anyone's ever interested in that, there's a really, really good. Um, po- and I just lost the name of it. The podcast that I'm trying to think of. About ancient rome yeah it's about ancient rome and it's it's a fascinating it's the same one that he was the wrath of the cons oh okay anyways i can't remember it i will um i'll link it i'll link a link to the guy's website because i'm sure i'll remember it by the time i do show notes um but yeah he he does a really really good quick run through of the rise and fall of rome uh the roman empire basically but yeah, so consul, consul was an elected official, which is is kind of an interesting name for someone who is coaching someone who's not an elected official, which brings us to Dominus Gaul. Green, do you want to spearhead that? Which aspect of it? Just 
just who a, he is to or... who he is. Do you want to you want to talk? So like, okay, so here I'll I'll Gary. Gary, so you have you you have the rundown on show notes. Okay, but as far as like Gaul, the Gauls in ancient history, or like who he is destiny is what I'm asking. Um. Let me let me let me just make the segue here. So consul, like we were, like Green was saying, the consul was an elected chief magistrate um, who ruled jointly over the Republic of Rome. The position went away. At, well, it didn't go away, but it lost a lot of its power once the Roman Empire took place. Now, with the cabal, the connection here is that the cabal are already in an empire state. Like they already exist in an empire, as far as we know. There is an emperor. Um, I'm going to I'm going to come back to that in a minute because there's a very interesting difference within the title of the current emperor and the previous emperor. Um, the consul is the I believe I think it was Noseworthy that was talking about um, the consul is kind of the coach on the sideline that's kind of driving Gaul's actions and it kind of seems like he might even be almost, if you can even stretch it this far, almost a father figure to Gaul. Um, we don't, I don't, I can't remember if that was what he was, if that's exactly what well, he said, but that's kind of the feeling as, I got. Go for it, Green. As far as like, as far as like Roman um, interactions between military generals and stuff, the heads of the military are kind of father figure in general right, to right. the lower ranks. You see this in even the Catholic church. We call mm-hmm. the priest father that comes out of some of the Roman societal um, stratifications that happen. But oh, yeah. Gaul, I mean, yeah. Gaul being the character that was under kind of an underling of this particular consul we don't. Do we have a name for this consul, or is he just consul right now? Is it as just far like as we know? Or? No, as far as we know, he is just the consul. Um, the other, the other small thing that you have to keep in mind with the consul is that um, after, like, another thing that they would do is the modern definition of consul is actually an official appointed by a government to live in a foreign city and protect and promote that government's citizens and interest in the foreign city. So, yeah, exactly. Um, so I actually I've seen really some really fun theories about, oh, the speaker is the console. I'm like, that would be really funny, actually. I would get a kick out of it, but yeah, but it doesn't I don't make think it's, any sense. I, I, I don't think it makes any sense, but I did. I did. As soon as they said that it was the console, it was like, oh, God, here it goes. And they did not so, disappoint. Mm-hmm. So, so that this, would make Tower this, North the Cabal Consulate. Yes, yes. Yes, it would. But it would be a subversion of... Um, so, technically, I mean, okay, Cabal in and of itself, and I posted this in our private chat. We yes. talked about it before. It's literally a secret political clique or fa- faction. So, it would be amusing for the speaker to be the consul. Because the then consul. he would be an actual Cabal. He would be a cabal unto himself. <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to say. Is that's why we don't actually hear him speak a lot? Is because we, he doesn't want to give away that he's a scion. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> I mean, Tolan might have been onto something there. Oh, what if God. <laughs> chat? What if Raul is the consul? 
we don't know where he's at. Oh man! We so don't know if so, he's anyways, alive or dead. So so to jump so so the console is kind of it almost seems like the console is the puppet master to this this entire situation, right? Um, at least right now, that's kind of what it is. That brings us to the main puppet in this whole this whole show, right? And that's Dominus Gall. Okay, so first off, let's just take his name because once I get into the title, it's going to get kind of wonky. Gall, I'm. There's a very very slight chance that this is an allusion to Gall. Um, I I'm kind of on the fence whether or not I even really agree with this. There's a lot of really fun little um, conclusions that you can draw from it, though. So I'm gonna just jump down this rabbit hole real quick. Gaul was a region of Western Europe that basically encompassed present-day France, Luxembourg, Belgium, and most of Switzerland, Northern Italy, and some of the, some parts of the Netherlands and Germany on the western banks of the Rhine. So it was a very large area. During the 2nd and 1st centuries BC, Gaul actually fell under Roman rule. It would remain under the control of Rome for 5 centuries. Interesting note here is that at the time of at the time of the arrival of Caesar, the primary deity worshipped was Tutats, which was the Gallic or Gaelic equivalent of Mercury, who was the patron god of many things, including travelers and thieves, as well as being a guide of souls to the underworld. Caesar actually went further and identified the culture's ancestor god as Dispater, which was also known as Hades or Pluto in Rome. The interesting connection that I made here, though, is that if... If this is an actual nod to Gaul, and this is a stretch, and I, I, I preface this with it being a stretch, but I like it. If this illusion is at all correct, the quote from Gaul that we hear in the trailer becomes even more intriguing because what he says is, you have mere, you've merely forgotten the fear of death. Allow me to reacquaint you. Mm, that line is, from the... Right? If he's a guide of, like, I mean, just just think about that. The Gauls were ancestor. Their ancestor god was identified as Hades, who is the lord of the underworld, or in some ways, death in and of itself. And their primary deity was Mercury, whose main job was basically guiding souls to death. Mm-hmm. He was reacquainting people with death. Um, it's just, and again, I'm going to close that with. That is a stretch. I am completely aware that that is a stretch, but it's a fun exercise that I had. Which actually brings me back to the more more concrete theory that I have here. And this is the the difference between his title and the previous emperor's title. Okay, so we know that his title is Dominus. Dominus is the Latin word for master or owner. Um, as a title of sovereignty, the term under the Roman Republic had the associations of the Greek word tyrannos, which, you know, basically tyrant. Um, mm-hmm. And it was actually refused during the early Principate. It, uh, it actually only became an official title of the Roman emperors under an emperor Diocletian, which is where the term dominate used to describe the political system of Roman Empire in 284 to 476 is derived from. So. Dominus really means master or owner, and it was always, it, it was kind of always a negative connotation. Um, unlike dictator, which was never actually a negative connotation until modern cultures. Um, so it was kind of it was an interesting thing. 
The connection that I find really intriguing here is that we know that the Cabal are an empire, or we're pretty sure that the Cabal operate in an empire. The previous emperor is Emperor Callus. Now, this emperor was deposed by the consul in Gaul, but we know that he is still alive, which also I'm going to come I'll come back to that in just a second. But the thing that I want to point out here is that he is known as Emperor Callus, but Gaul is known as Dominus Gaul. Mm-hmm. Not not Emperor Gaul, Dominus. Why the change in titles? The, this kind of goes back to the connection between Gaul and the Gaul region is because Gaul overthrew the empire. And yeah. he's imposing he's imposing his own rule in place of the but, empire rule. Yeah, imp- emperor is a birthright. Dominus is is something you assert. Uh, not really. I mean, I, I see where you're going with that, but it, it's not, I mean, like, it was never really the case that Emperor was, it, you were never guaranteed, I'm going to say that. I mean, Caesar didn't, Caesar didn't inherit the Emperor title. He he didn't inherit an empire. Most of the, you know, like, Octavian kind, I guess you could argue. I mean, Caligula didn't inherit. Nero didn't inherit. They, they kind of took it. So, like, all the emperors of Rome... It's not. It's not like a. It's not like a fiefdom. A fiefdom is derived from the same concept, but it's not as hereditary. Like the um, and and we don't know. And I mean, the other thing is we don't know the story of Callus. Which so interesting thing about Callus. Uh, again, another little fine, really big stretch here. If you look at Callus as a variant spelling of Caius which is actually itself interchangeable with Gaius um, Mm -hmm. because, oh, here's the fun part. The Romanian language spells Gaius as Caius. And guess where Romanian language was prevalent? Gaul. So, um, well, well, if you go that far and follow that line, you have uh, one of the assassins of one of that plan to assassinate Caesar. Yep. Gaius Cassius. Yep. Yep, yep. And there there was a number. I mean, Gaius. So here's the other thing. Gaius was the second most popular name in ancient Rome. Uh, I think right. I can't remember what the first one was. I think it was like. Octavius. Was an, no, no, no. Octavius. Quintus. No, it was an L one. Lucretius. No, Lucius. Lucius. Thank you. Um, I, I just know Gaius because it's an easier one to remember. Um uh, and actually, Gaius is believed. This is the fun one. No one really knows where Gaius came from. They believe that it comes from the root of the. I think it's Latin, uh, "gaudere," which means to rejoice. So, just a fun etymology lesson there. Gaius, which can translate into Caius, which could be a variant spelling of Callus, um, could mean to rejoice. Uh, the reason there being is that in ancient Rome, the C's and G's were pretty interchangeable. Like they didn't, they didn't really, they didn't care really. Here's here's a fun fact that I just read. I've been reading up on uh, Shakespeare during this. Um, there were consuls during Rome's rule. They're oh, yeah. still available. There's, I mean, it talked about Caesar's grand nephew Gaius Octavius. They're immediately 
launched a resolution to claim the conspirators, including. Oh yeah. 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 So they still had power, even if the emperor is the primary in charge, they're a guiding power within it. And yeah, if the and, emperor himself was overthrown. They take charge. Right. And it, and that's what I was saying is up until about, um, I think it was, uh, oh, whenever Dominus, yeah, what was it? 476 or 284. I can't remember. Uh, Diocletian. Mm-hmm. That was kind of when you saw the consulate really kind of disappear. Because that was when you, um, excuse me, politically, the emperors were like, yeah, we're tired of you, like, constantly trying to stab us in the back. Um, because you also have to remember that Caesar was actually part of a triumvirate, right? You know, mm-hmm. he, he didn't, he, Caesar, Caesar is the name that everyone associates with the birth of the empire, but he wasn't acting alone. He, I mean, he had, uh, there were two triumvirates. Senate. And then, yeah, I mean, like there were, there was a lot of moving pieces that actually kind of led up to Caesar just being able to kind of move into play. He was in the right place at the right time and he had the right personality. Um, it was a very big, it was a very fortuitous confluence of events for Caesar. Um, so, I mean, the, but yes, the consulate consulates were, I think actually technically, I mean, well, obviously in modern society in modern cultures, consulate is still alive and well um that's by not really the same because they're more of a i mean like i said the modern definition is more yeah they're more of a diplomat um yes uh pluto in chat the right circumstances that go screw you guys power is mine right that 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 pretty pretty much sums up that entire situation that sums up the ancient world in general, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get to yeah. the situation of Gaul was a territory to begin with. Right. And then that territory got broken up into three different portions of the territory. And people from those territories literally ransacked Rome first. <laughs> that was that was actually one of the reasons it got broken up in the first place mm-hmm. was because because they broke the, I think it was the I think it was the Etruscans I can't remember if it was the Etruscans yeah. or it was someone but it was actually in the early times of Rome they broke through like they I, it was like the Celts and the Gauls just basically got pissed and they just went on a like just they just went and ransacked things and mm-hmm. the Etruscans tried to defend themselves and got overrun and they went to Rome to try to, you know, ask for help. And Rome was like, yeah, sure, we'll help. And they got s- just slapped across the face. I mean, it just, it, yeah, it didn't go well. I mean, it it didn't. I mean, in nine or 90 BC, they invaded Rome. Yeah. 30 years later, 32 years later. Uh, Rome invaded Rome them. got back out of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and oh, and, and like, oh, God, the political. Oh, if you ever, if you think that today's world's political intrigue is interesting, you go read Roman politics in this time because it's. Go just, read Shakespeare. Well, yeah. But I mean, like, just watching the maneuvers of Caesar, especially when he was taking the Gauls, you know, basically taking them out like the way he played each territory off of the other was, and that, that was the case. That was the situation in which he got, he got horses from one ally and he got soldiers from another ally, put those soldiers that he got onto horses and boot and boosted his, um, mounted cavalry in order to overrun a third 
ally who was betraying or trying to betray him basically mm-hmm. like the intrigue is just amazing and that and that's kind of what makes me actually excited about destiny 2 because if they're actually in, if they're being inspired um by rome and they're actually kind of i mean like and, and again this is their story they can do what they want but if they're going to try to follow kind of the kind of a similar concept here that means that politics is going to be a maybe a big thing especially with the fact that the emperor is still alive they didn't kill callus and that's to me that's kind of a big thing like why didn't they just kill him um which i mean oh there's so many does different callus know what's going on i think he does because he was deposed he said that he was deposed um okay. i can't remember if it was an in gadget yeah. article he's dealing <laughs> it's just it's interesting to know that if the is what's going on and he is being blackmailed or suppressed in some shape or form so as all in the constant go and do what they please or maybe i don't know maybe gall has something over the top of them maybe gall is just a in a way faction because we've had people talk about that in chat what? is is is, oh, is, is gall a guy well and that's right. the thing is like in on in destinypedia and i i don't i don't agree with this entirely but Destinypedia actually points out that you know Gaul led a mil- military coup against Callus uh, with the advice of the consul, which usurped him and ended his reign. Uh, he was and Callus was later exiled from the Cabal rank, and we don't know where he is. And that's all kind of hearsay at the moment. We don't know much. Like that's that's pretty much it. We don't we don't really know. I don't think. Do we even have a timeline? You know, huh? Bungie. Uh, no. Do we, do we have a timeline <laughs> for when this happened? Which which is where the rogue faction argument kind of comes into play because then, and that's kind of one of my questions is where do the Destiny 1 detachments of the Cabal fit in this entirely seemingly new hierarchy? Like when Primus Tarn says that he got orders from the Emperor himself, is he talking about Gaul or is he talking about Callus? Which Emperor is he going you know, I would imagine it would be fun. This is just my personal take. It would be fun if he's taking orders from Callus. Callus. Yep. Yep. And Gaul intercepted it as far as political intrigue goes or has a heads up from the con himself of what's going on and beats the emperor here. Right. And, and I mean, this, and that's the whole and, starfish thing. Oh, my gosh. But I mean, that oh, and good. that's kind of that's kind of the the email that we'll get into <laughs> is actually kind of alluding to that too is what exactly because there's a few quotes from destiny that talk about the loyalty of the cabal how does that work in a Mm. military coup and then there's the the ever popular theory and i i promised everyone that i would i would bring this theory up in chat um the ever popular bouncy castle theory um, which basically says that Gary never got a bouncy castle as a child, so he has a chip on his shoulder, and that's the entire reason he came to come take our toys away from us because he didn't. He never got toys as a kid. The console wasn't very speaking, nice to him. Speaking as a child who never got a bouncy castle, I can, I can relate. <laughs> I, I understand his pain <laughs> I and know where he's coming from. That, that, that entire like that entire 
I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> Deviation of chat for however long it was. Oh, it was amazing. I, I, that was <laughs> chat right now. What's a bouncy castle? A bouncy castle. Seriously? What do, what do you people They don't call have childhoods. What do, Picture what Camelot, but instead of walking, you bound. Yeah, what's, what's another word for it's, bouncy castle? I don't... It's an inflatable... Dream palace. It's like trampoline type thing. It's just... if Oh, God, it's... Uh, if you haven't it been to him, one... It taught him ha- to fear death. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bounce house. Okay, I, bounce house. That's uh, what they call it. Okay. The other thing that I want to going along that line of if Gaul was restricted and wants the traveler because he never got it and he needs monkey. Um, what if it's literally Gaul trying to take the traveler light to usurp or usurp the emperor himself? What if this is a tool? Oh, I think it's definitely a tool. I, I definitely think like the other really cool thing about Gaul. Um, <laughs> the other really cool thing about Gaul is actually the way that, um, Luke Smith actually talks about him. And I think it was in the, uh, da, 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 let me see which, which article it was in. It was in in gadget, which was in back in may. Um, and Smith said that Gaul is the hero of his own story. And he's a character with a sense of purpose. Someone who feels he's doing the right thing for his people, which is a fascinating concept because yes, everyone's going to want to take out Gaul. Like that's, you know, he's the big bad, or at least we think at the moment he's the big bad, but it's also one of those things where in the back of your mind, you're going to be like, but he's doing exactly what we're doing to him, to us. Sort of. I mean, like he, he's he's the aggressor. He's the the aggressor. I'm not arguing that he is the aggressor, but you know, Oryx, Oryx wasn't really, doing something because i mean he kind of was but he he really wasn't um, it was to a selfish mean it was a selfish mean whereas gall almost seems and again this is you know this is just the the idea that i think smith is trying to give and we'll see how the actual story plays out but the the theme that i get is that we're moving away from a binary system of good and evil um it's now kind of a a an amorphous feeling of the system of morality because Gaul in his own way. And that's what makes great villains actually is the argument that, um, no villain thinks of himself or herself as a bad guy, right? Like if you, if you look at the world, no good one, at least. Right, 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 right. Correct. Correct. Sorry. Yes. Any good villain, will always perceive what they do. And that's that's the thing is that's what makes them so dangerous is that they believe that they are doing the right thing. If you don't believe you're doing the right thing, then the question comes up, why are you doing it? Whereas if you believe you're doing the right thing, you're going to do it in the face of all arguments because you believe it to be the right thing. And so for Gaul, to be the hero of his own story kind of points out that he thinks that he is doing a justice to the to the universe by by showing you know i think what was it by showing the traveler that it chose wrong or whatever however he he puts it but that quote from smith really makes me hopeful um because that means that we are looking at a possibility of a a lot deeper presentation of a villain which 
you know, along with the whole, we're going to do it in game, hopefully we'll kind of drive a a bigger debate or a bigger discussion on the other aspects of the story. Um, Oh, Oh, I did have one other final thing before we go to dispatches. Okay. So, um, the red Legion, I I actually did. I, I hunted down this piece from Rome. Um, there, there was actually, there's actually, and this is interestingly enough, this is actually a really apparently big debate, um, about the, the significance of color within the Roman army. And so you have kind of basically four different color variations, depending on the era, there's more or less, um, what, you know, there's more, not, not necessarily less. There's always at least these four and those four are white, red, blue, and off white. Now, I'm going to focus on red and white because if you notice when we see Gaul, he's in white armor, right? He's in mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a um, uh, bah, 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 what am I thinking? The, uh, parade arm, not parade. Yeah. Parade armor. It's like, it's like, uh, it's very formal. It's very fancy. It's, it's meant to be, um, flashy, right? It's flashy. It's showy, right? It's showy. Um, whereas, Red was often the color that all soldiers wore into battle and not because not because of what most people think is because, oh, it hides the blood or whatever. No, actually, because the Roman god of war. Well, guess what color he was? Mars. He was red. And so they wore it to to get his favor. It was also usually generally associated. Thank you, uh, potato in chat dress uniform. Thank you. Um Red was the color of battle because it was also the color of the gods um, and predominantly Mars or uh, Ares. Blue was actually also a predominant color, but it was the color of the naval units. That's what they wore into battle because of the same reason they didn't want to piss off. Yeah, they didn't want to piss off Poseidon. So they wore his color so that he it was like. Yeah. Um, Neptune. Oh, yeah, Neptune. right. Neptune, he was really temperamental. Um, and then Off-White, uh, which is basically like uh, just, you know, cheap cloth, uh, was their daily life, which was uh, basically just a cheap cloth. Like I said, cheap cloth. Um, it never, it didn't have to be Off-White. There was obviously, you know, whatever they could get. Um, but while in battle, it was very common for it to be red, unless you were on the Navy, and then that was blue. And then when you were in a parade, or you know you were doing something formal and you were expected to be uh, very presentable and very very uh, in order to make yourself look more prestigious, you wore white, um, and that was especially true for officers. Now officers would also wear red, which makes it interesting that Gaul is wearing white. Um, he has again, red accents on it. He has gold accents on it, actually. I thought he had red. There's some sort of red. I swear there's red. Maybe it's in the back. I'm looking this. Continue. Okay. I'm well, the only reason was is I I actually used a picture of him in the banner and his at least the the uh breastplate of his thing of his armor has uh accents of really 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 shiny gold because I had to mute it really. <laughs> I had to mute it a lot. <laughs> so is that okay? So he has. It looks like the the daggers. I guess that is gold. It just kind of comes across very coppery. The one. Oh, that he are has. He has pauldrons. His pauldrons. Plate. His pauldrons are red. 
but the the chest the chest plates the the um i oh, see like the edging is all gold yeah all the edging is gold the little spikes on the back of his pauldron are kind of coppery but then like right at the top of his pauldrons um right at the crest of the shoulder like where the shoulder mm-hmm. the pauldrons join the breastplate that's red i can totally yeah that's red but everything the accents themselves are it, it it looks like it looks like a dress uniform. It looks like a, a it does not look like um it does not look at all like a because I mean then you look at the uh, cabal picture from a cabal picture from the reveal for Destiny Two. You know, just the general. Um, I think it's just a legionnaire firing the slug rifle, and it's like dull you know not not really that present like not really super fancy um now i think the also the scene there is the guy who crashes through the door with the two swords that wasn't gall though but he he had red he was encased in red armor was that gall you know the scene Here's, where it's the icora right i don't think so gall we don't see until we get in the dark yeah, Gaul, because then, then he kicks you off the ship. That's when he. That's when uh, he does the Mercury quote. Right. The other thing. Anyway, I think we should get on to dispatches. As far as the off color, off white. Off white does not have to be tan. It can be gray. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It. It. I mean, it's it's cheap cloth. Is the emphasis? It's just a uh-huh. cloth that they don't care about. They can get dirty. I mean. The thing is, is that when you look at the the military structure of a Roman army, um, they were very granular in their duties. Um, like the contubernium, cont, contubernium was the uh, the squad of about eight men, uh, and and that was they that was the base unit of the entire army, and so they would specialize in different duties within. Um, within the 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 overall field army like there was there was different jobs to be done obviously uh you know building fortifications like the romans built that you don't want to wear armor while you're doing that uh and and that was so when they when i say off-white for for daily tasks i mean it's not armor it's not fancy cloth or anything like that all right so you guys you guys want to jump into dispatches? We have, we have a couple good ones, I think. Let's do it. All right. Dispatches from the wilds. All right. So we actually got two dispatches this week. Um, and we're going to actually, because of the one of the dispatches we got, we're going to open up. We'll, we'll be talking about that in the final comments. Excuse me, ma'am. Uh, Green, do you want to take the first one, or do you want me to take the first one? I can, I can take it. Okay. Brought to us by John Mod Franz. I think that's Franz because your cursor is right in the middle of the end of that word. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's okay. I yeah, moved it. I moved it. Just for record, I got out of Green's way. He wouldn't be in Green's way. Come on. <laughs> Ah, if the Cabal Emperor was exiled, would this go against the Lord? 
where they are loyal to their emperor and empire even beyond death. And that's quoted from Cade 6. It's an interesting concept. And we talked, uh, Blue and I talked about this before the show even live, is is the empire tied, is the army tied to the empire or is it tied to this specific emperor? If the emperor falls, do the, does the army fall that emperor? Do they fall the empire itself? Fun little debate. Mm-hmm. It, and it really is. It could it could go either way. I think trying <laughs> Johnny and chat again. History, yeah. Um, I yeah. go for it, Justin. Go for it, Justin. I was just gonna say there. There's an example here. Yeah. Um, I think you can be out for too long and lose uh, sight of your of your emperor and your empire and and start to fight for one another and kind of get lost in that i know you'll still carry out orders but when it comes to to matters of life and death you'll you'll follow the man as opposed to the to the office i guess is what i'm saying right and and i guess my argument there is that yes and fragum and chad is actually saying what i'm was about to say the empire a lot of times that's kind of exactly what would happen um is you would get to a point where you see in the army again remember rome was sending armies out every which way right i mean at any one time they could have five field armies going and each one of those field armies was was basically exactly what you're saying. They they became loyal to the general who was leading them because ultimately he was he was the one that was responsible for bringing them home safely. You know he he allowed them to continue living. He he was the one that was that that was his responsibility. So you wanted to be loyal to that person because if you weren't, well, then you conveniently got put in a bad place. You know that it, yeah. Um, and so what it goes then, back to the idea. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Sorry. No, no. It goes back to the idea that the army, these little factions, these little parts of the army are yes. family built. The idea that the general is kind of the father right. of the figure to all these men. Right. They would follow them somewhat blindly in some cases. I mean, look again, pointing to Caesar. Look at Caesar. His men, his men loved him. And that was because he was a very good general. Uh, you know, in the, I mean, geez, just pick, pick out any of the names from Roman history that, you know, from the Roman empire. And that was probably the case is they were very, very good at what they did. Um, the problem is, is if they ever gotten a disagreement with another general, well, it's not a disagreement between two people. It's a disagreement between two armies. That yeah. can get that can get messy fast. Um, and you see this kind of and you can see both both the pros and cons, right? You can see this being very loyal to an individual. So that individual never has to really worry about their army turning on them or, you know, um, and then you see later, especially within medieval fiefdoms. Oh, we're going to be loyal to, quote, the throne, um, well, geez, look at any of the upsets in the European fiefdoms and they're all, they're all hiding behind the fact that they're actually being loyal to the throne by deposing the king or queen. You know, it, it's, 
it's hard. It's a hard line to walk on that particular one. But I think the question is, I really think the question is going to be an, I hope they explore it. I hope they explore it because it's a very good point. The, the cabal were presented as kind of a, a hybrid between Sparta and Rome in the sense that, you know, they got basically, what was it? They got kicked out of the, the empire until they came back victorious. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's a very Spartan. That was, that was a Spartan practice. Uh, the Romans were very heavily influenced by Sparta. So that's not a surprise, but it was very Spartan. I mean, Spartans would get kicked out of the city and they were, you, you, you were told you come back or you, you come back with your shield or on it. Like that was it. Um, and so that was kind of the cabal presentation. And so that is a very good question. And that also begs the question of when was this, when was this coup? When was this coup against Callus? Was it recent or was it, you know, a thousand years ago and no one really cares, right? Timelines, timelines are important. Yeah. Also, if you're going to take the Spartan model, the Spartan model is much more of a peer model, the Roman model of the oh, hierarchy yeah. of command. So the the Spartan model was much more you 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 did have your king and mm-hmm. and you did have your command structure but they fought alongside you and you you toiled anyways so <laughs> um yeah yeah some they're just two different models there's there's the Roman model that that sets up sets up rank and file and delineates a difference between them. And then there's the Spartan model wherein, you know, there is rank and file there. There are different ranks, but once it gets down to the nitty gritty, we're all the same. And, um, it's, it's very much your King will be fighting right next to you. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like the military, I mean, there, uh, yeah, there, there was a lot of things that Sparta did that were That was questionable. Um, but, uh, understatement. Yeah. The, well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be brief on that. Like, don't, don't right. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit circumspect here. So, um, yeah, well, there's that too. Like, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was one of the things that, I mean, Sparta, Sparta really did very well was they, but, they made a very simple structure to their army and they, did it very well. And didn't didn't the Romans steal the phalanx from Greek. Sparta? No. The f- well, uh, I mean, well, I mean, the, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah they of, are yeah. Greek. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, Spart- Sparta wasn't Spartans were not well, the only ones who used it. Well, it was its phalanx. own thing, but they they did consider when the push came to shove, they were Greek. When right, right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it, the Romans. I mean, geez, the Romans stole pretty much everything that they had. There, there is really assimilation is the best way to convert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, I'm trying to think of something that was uniquely Roman, and it was basically, "Hey, we like that. We're going to take it." That was the unique Roman characteristic. There's probably a few others, but it's hard to come bring it to mind. So, yeah, I mean, let's yeah. do. Yo, you want to do the next one? This, to- one's, this one's fun. This one I plan on dictating what you guys answer and then tweeting <laughs> the entire thing at oh her. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. 
So who wants to read this guy? Well, I'll take it. This was actually a tweet. Oh, this is a tweet from Maury, and she basically asked, which Roman emperor does Gaul most embody? Ready? Justin, Justin, go. I'd say Julius. Caesar? Mm-hmm. Green? Jay? Okay, no, I'm not, I'm not, oh, you're, I'm, you're I'm not, not answering. Oh, I'm dictating. I'm oh, dictating. You, are, you are. Okay. I actually he doesn't have a dog in this fight. Um, <laughs> I actually don't think that he embodies any Roman emperor. I think he actually embodies the forces against the Roman empire. I think that he embodies Gaul, the, the Celts and the Gaulish forces because he deposes the emperor before him. Um, oh, maybe he's Brutus. Oh, no, because Brutus was... Never, I'm not going to get down that road. Um, uh, Brutus was part of the, the structure. He was... Yeah, and, and he he was... Yeah, there was, there was a lot of... I, I did consider that, but like there's so many emperors. Like Caligula actually fits Gaul a little bit better uh, just because of the historical context of him. He had a deeply loyal Praetorian guard that actually rescued him from his own as- attempted assassination. I think it was Caligula uh, attempted assassination. Um, you know, there's, there's, <clears throat> there is actually a Gaius um, emperor who was actually in the East. Uh, he was very, very um, learned, learned and very educated, but, and very, very devote to uh christianity at the time so that was the kind of the association with light there um so i mean like there was there was a lot of different answers for emperor but i think actually gaul kind of is the the antithesis of an emperor i i mean he takes the name dominus um dominus was very common within the gladiatorial houses and the gladiatorial houses were slaves and for the most part like, there was there was very few who were willingly a gladiator but um, mm-hmm. the the slaves was always the dominus, the the dominator. You know that was always something that, like I said, it was a negative connotation. They never willingly took on the title of dominus. Um, now you know I could I could get proven wrong. I'm always willing to be proven wrong. You know we could learn out that actually dominus is just the title that they all give. You know the emperor and the emperor is just whoever is the strongest of the pack, and you know move along. But I really don't think. I think Gaul actually embodies the antithesis of an emperor because I think he deposes the emperor and he imposes his own rule over the empire. Which, yeah, I mean, it, it would be very romantic. I would love it. Personally, love it if he was a Brutus-type character. But it would be interesting to see how they would... At two, Gary? At two? <laughs> At two, Gary? That's going to be my next tweet. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> F2, Gary? I'm going to tag you in it, too. Just leave me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> the funny, so, like, the funny, uh, never mind, trivia fact. Uh, yeah, let's, let's wrap this guy up, because we're just hit the two-hour mark. All two right. Green, what what final comments or shoutouts do you have for this one? Comment, first comment has to go to sent in questions this week. It is an awesome job sending it in early because you and I got to actually talk about it show, so we have a little bit more 
debate than what you guys even saw here. But the next thing is we're going to start moving some of the opportunity to send in questions, not just through email. If you're sending stuff in through email, that's great. The other thing is if you have a Twitter account and you would like to ask us a question about the story, like Maury did today, you can send us a question at Focus Fire Chat and hashtag it. Hashtag blue? Uh, FF Chat. Yeah, or- so just send us... Should it be FF chat or FFC? Let's do FF chat I, just to make it easy. Actually, hang on, hang on. Let me make sure I'm not going to do a uh, that nobody else has something. Uh, let me not make sure that I'm not pulling a bell and because uh, mm-hmm. what was, what was, was the one, what was the one that they it a, did? It was a soccer team that ended up having the thing going. Okay, don't do FF chat. The- don't don't do FF chat. That's a really dangerous one. Don't anyone ever search that. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Oh man, I don't. Let's just do hashtag FFC. Oh no, yeah, wait, that no, is wait. dangerous. <laughs> See, I told you, don't do it. Um, man, why does why are all the simple ones always taken? Uh, so hashtag FFC with your with your questions. It's nice. I like FFC. It's nice and short. I'll be able to find it. Yeah, let's just do and that, you, and just ignore ignore the uh, ignore the cycling club that might be imposing on us with that. They're they're in France, so we probably shouldn't be too worried about them. If we're we probably. need to change it later, we can. That's true. Green yeah. Green is the expert on this this hashtag business. No, not an expert. Compared to me, just, you're an expert. How about FFAQ? Focus fire act. Fact. No, first it's for fact. It's close. No, no, that one doesn't work either. That one doesn't work either. We are not fit for a queen. Oh, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) And available. Anyway, moving on. I'll be your wing woman. Thank you, Mercy. <laughs> oh, mercy, mercy, mercy me. Yeah, let's just do hashtag uh, FFC. It hasn't been used since like July of last year. So send us your questions at Focus Fire Chat. You can send it to email or our Twitter and hashtag it with FFC and we will look at it. I think we were talking about pulling the best two questions that come in for our or dispatches during the episode, or at least ones that we can talk about. We'll answer you on Twitter or answer you via email. You know, you know what I, you know what I just realized? Oh no. What we should do. Hang on. Let me see. This is the, this is the hashtag that we should use. No. Hashtag. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> 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 is that taken no it's that not moment <laughs> it's not really? it is it is because i use it to use the wake-up calls for, for justin under that moment when you realize that the wealth of stupid <laughs> you said on air has reached <laughs> such a critical mass that you could hear any of it at any time 
Uh huh. This is what? why Blue wants a stream deck. Yeah. Um. Not why I want one. Why I'm getting one. I'm the mm-hmm. I'm I'm the reason. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. You are all my reasons. Um. The the thing that I wonder is if it would be too long. Yeah, it, I think it's too long. But that's what she said. It would be free. Yeah, thanks. Moving on. Yeah, let's just do I, hashtag FFC. Okay. So other thing beyond that is if you haven't jumped into it, I know I talked about it last book chat, or if you haven't jumped into Discord in a while, I would do that soon, especially with D2 coming up and the beta coming up and being able to run the strike with people and run crucible with people with the beta people are going to start getting a little bit more active for lfg so if you're looking for people definitely jump into discord and put it up in our discord or lfg section or just mention hey i'm going to be running this anybody want to join stuff like that start jumping in there more be able to have people to run with from chat that's my shout-outs. Justin, do you got some shout-outs? Yes, I do. Also, Blue, could you please tell the good people about the book club book for August? <laughs> Justin's a little excited about that. I think I, ha- I think I have something for that. Give me a second. Let me see if I can find... I think it's there a was, good book. There was, there was a, it was, I can't remember. What was that book's name? Starship Covers! Okay. I, I, yeah, yeah. Scar strip, yeah. Scar strip poopers. <laughs> yeah, starship troopers. And you know, there are so many times tonight I was just stifling my starship troopers. Starship because, yes, thank you, thank you. I think you should play that every time I say the name of the book. Um, it's but like yeah, there, yeah. Um, so. There's actually some some pre some pretty good parallels between that book and tonight's conversation. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, definitely check that out. Um, if you don't have that book, please buy the book. And what's it called, Blue? Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. <laughs> that's what it's called. Um, but yeah, and also I would just like to give a great big O shout out to. Just everyone who's been so so awesome on uh, on all the interwebs. Our interwebs are the best interwebs. I'm going to maintain that. I I take Al Gore to task. He can't handle it. <laughs> um, yeah, our interwebs are definitely the best interwebs. So um, all my peeps in Guardian Radio Network. And uh, also, big shout out to Pins from last night for being... Bar none, one of my favorite guests. I mean, when else do I just get to take the night off like that? That was nice. <laughs> he, just, he just came in and he was like, you know what, Justin? I'm solo in this piece. And I was like, you know what, Pins? I'm going to watch you. <laughs> he did a great job. He did so good. He's my favorite. <laughs> I think he might be my favorite person. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh I can't tell if he finished or if he just got muted. I think he got muted. I did get muted. <laughs> I, I did say I did say thank you all 
Thank you all, everyone. <laughs> okay. All a good night. <laughs> all right. Well, our Twitter and email questions, because now I can say that for uh, next week, is going to be a dive into the Blade Dancers. So Hunter Blade Dancers is the topic. Um, again, Twitter, you can submit it with the hashtag FFC, or you can email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com, whichever one's easier for you. Uh, and then also we have a big shout out to Shay's Lounge. Uh, he jumped on the sub train over on Twitch. We really appreciate the support from him on that. And yeah, just again, a big thank you to all you guys for just putting up with the shenanigans that we we get to do every week or pretty much every day, actually, to be honest. Um, we just really appreciate it. And we will see you next week. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for a live streaming of the episode each week, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash chat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new and improved www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast. And please, please, please let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes as well. Also, make sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. All right, everyone. In celebration of the 100th episode of Focus Fire Chat, we're going to be giving away a digital copy of Destiny 2 on either PlayStation or Xbox. You might already be thinking, but Blue, what about those of us who already have a copy of the most awesome game coming out this year, pre-ordered? Do not worry, my friends. We are going to add in the qualifier that if the winner so wishes, they will be able to instead get a shiny digital gift card for their console of choice in the amount of $60. So, how do you enter? We're going to make this as easy as possible. All we need is for everyone interested to jump over and submit a review of the podcast on iTunes. The way we're going to track this is, in that review, make sure to include your Discord username, because this is how we're going to be getting in touch with you, and hashtag FFCD2. Be sure to also, or be sure to have the review in by Monday, September 4th, 2017, as sometimes iTunes takes a little bit to get those posted. Also, you can feel free to DM me a screenshot of the submitted review if you want to make sure that you get entered into the giveaway. Please note, you are not being required to submit anything in particular on the reviews, but we would truly appreciate feedback on anything that we can do to make the show better or, you know, just letting us know why you like us the way we are. Once we have the names, I'm going to plan on periscoping the selection of the winner by having the names listed on a spreadsheet and pulling a random number off a random number generator site to choose the winner. I hope to do that on the evening of Thursday, September 7th, and then we'll announce the winner on the 100th episode on Friday, September 8th. If you have any questions, please, please, please don't hesitate to shoot me a DM over on Discord or on Twitter or email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com. With that being said, focus your fire and may your light shine bright, Guardians. Blue out.